Have you heard about the adventures of Scout? The three engineers have applied the science and the tools and technology of engineering to their process of creating a children's book. I interviewed the three engineers and I asked them what they would change about the education system. Here's what they said. I think the, the first thing we'd have to do is figure out what's important. We'd have to identify what's, what's really important. Is it that children need to be able to spout off facts in a, about a specific subject in a exam? Or is it that we need to teach our children how to live their lives as best they can? The Adventures of Scout is one of the most interesting and engaging children's books I've had a look at recently, and it really encourages positive action, positive momentum for the planet. Tune in to this really insightful episode and give the three engineers and the Adventures of Scout a follow. Make sure to go download or buy your copy of the Adventures of Scout today. This is season five, the great debates of our times. Season five will be centered around the great debates and we will be comparing and contrasting different viewpoints on various topics that are consuming the public discourse at present. The reason I've decided to take this approach is because we, or at least many of us, are losing the skill of debate. And I think this is an essential skill for us all to practice once more. I don't see how we get to the point of saving the world and saving our planet if we don't know how to discuss our differences. I also think that the solution to most of our challenges is somewhere in the spectrum of views, but never at either extreme. I will be working with guests to curate the content and discuss beforehand. I will understand their positions, their areas of genius, and navigate my questions around that so that the conversation is challenging and stimulating without being combative. I hope you enjoy season five of Where Ideas Launch, the Sustainable Innovation Podcast. The three engineers are on a mission to supply a book to every primary school in the UK and encourage readers and children to join Scout's team, the book protagonist, to help better the planet. Let me introduce you to the three engineers. They are Nick is a Chartered Senior Systems Engineer at Babcock International and Matt is a Chartered Assistant Chief Engineer also at Babcock International. John is a Chartered Project Engineer at RWG Renewables. John is not currently available with us today, but the rest of the team is here. So welcome, guys, to Where I Just Launch. Hello, nice to meet you, Catherine. Great to have you both. So let's get started. So can I just say, this is the first time I'm interviewing a group of men doing a sustainable project. So typically I get groups of women or I get women who are really trying to, to make change happen. But I don't often get recommended men who are making changes in this space and doing it as a side gig. So what are your thoughts on, on that? I think from our perspective, we've done it just independently. We didn't really consider too much beforehand what we were going to do. We, we got together as a, a team to do something different. And what happened was we quickly realised that what was important to us and our values were the environment, health and wellbeing and technology. Uh, and then we looked at the amount of time that we had and resources uh, to be able to dedicate that uh, to this idea. And that's how uh, the book spawned. So tell me a little bit about the, the project and what drove, what drove you out of your niche. So you're both working in sort of big engineering type operations. What made it happen? If I, if I direct that question to Matt, perhaps. At our work, we were all working together in the same place at the time. 
and uh, on Friday afternoons, we, we used to have Friday afternoon off. So we didn't have to work past 12.30. Normally, we just all meet up and hang out and uh, go, go to the pub or something like that. And uh, one day we sort of said, oh, we should probably do something more more important with our time other than just sink a few beers. So uh, I set up five meetings, basically. I said, right, instead of we're still going to go to the pub, we'll have a purpose to it other than just socialising and we'll try and figure out whether we're going to do something different and meaningful with that spare time that we've got. And uh, yeah, that's just out of those five meetings, that's how Nick, John and I sort of formed together as uh, as the three engineers. And do you guys have kids? Yep, I've got a 13-year-old. Okay. Yeah, I've got um, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And what sort of stimulated you from doing this project from that perspective? What were you seeing in terms of the kind of material or uh curriculum that your kids are experiencing that made you want to do something a little bit different maybe I go to Nick this time it, we didn't really set out like we said to, to come up with books we came up with lots of different ideas and as engineers we've got lots of processes and tools so we decided that whatever we do we'll stick to those processes and tools and we'll basically map out an idea so we came up with lots of ideas scored them in a matrix and I think each of us had individual sort of ambition so I wanted to improve career advice at school because mine wasn't as good as I had hoped. Matt really liked tech stuff so he really liked the idea of having forums and websites and blogs and things like that and um, John came from a different angle where he wanted to design sustainable products and combining and merging all of those ideas together I think Matt came up with the idea of having how can we have the biggest impact and we all decided that with the time that we had if we could pull it off if we could write some kids books uh, about some of the topics that were personal to us. So, for example, I, I particularly don't like litter and I pick up litter. And Matt uh, is from, sort of from the countryside down south. So he really remembers his childhood as like with bees. So we kind of try to link them all to our sort of personal touches. So, yeah. So at the time when we formed back in 2018, my three-year-old daughter, she wasn't even born. My son, we were in the midst of like he was just consuming literature like reading stories to him it was like dozens of stories every day um and I think that's where one of the ideas that well we had a couple ideas in our scoring matrix were to write children's stories um one that's about solving problems one that was for promoting women in engineering they, they were the two ideas yeah that sort of they say it sort of came about because my I could see how my son was just consuming information and really thinking about what was being told in these stories. And um, like Nick said, we, we wanted our project to make the biggest impact. And by like sort of feeding in those messages at such an early age, you can have an impact, not just at that age range, but like a three-year-old is more than happy to tell an adult to pick up litter uh, because it's bad. So teaching their their parents their teachers their like siblings about this message we just felt well why wouldn't we focus on that area and so that that's where it did influence from the from my kids anyway I've just recorded an episode with Susan Krumdeck. She's a transition engineering specialist. She's based out of Harriet Watt in Scotland, in Orkney. And one of the things that she talks about in, in her work and in the book that she's written, actually, is that 
engineers are really the engine room of the of the economy, even though probably engineers don't even see it that way. And she applies this to to sort of past major shifts that we've had to make. So things like, I don't know, solving uh, water problems or different types of solutions that we've had over, over the time of our evolution and how engineers are actually the ones who make stuff happen, um, who apply certain methodologies, uh, certain scientific principles, etc. whereas economists operate more like shaman. It, it's a really interesting episode and I thought she was really funny. But I, I wanted to tap into this because you mentioned that you, you have a scoring matrix and you had this sort of discipline of how you were going to tackle this problem. Tell me a little bit about those tools that you've been using. Matt is a, a pure systems engineer. He's got lots of uh, experience. So he brought to the table Venn diagrams and, and kind of mind mapping exercises where we could really hone down on a particular idea, but also really expand and understand how wide a range, if we look at the environment, everything that we could possibly think of regarding the environment to make sure that the stories sort of made sure they linked consistently back to what we wanted to do. Um, I suppose moving but forward on from once we captured the idea, we had no idea how to write books. Uh, we are all engineers, we prefer maths over English, I'm sure Matt would agree. And we decided to try and design it. So we had no idea how to rhyme. So we went to um, some bookshops and we spent four months basically writing up all the books that we could find, the best rhyming books. And then we did some pattern analysis and sort of book structure and, and syllable counts on all of the rhyming such that we could then try and find our own winning formula. Um, and yeah, that was a really fantastic way for us to learn because we were then able to sort of critique our work as we went along with some form of confidence that if we kept to that formula, we will have something at the end that we'd be happy with. Oh my God, I've never heard of someone writing a book using a mathematical algorithm. You sound like my partner, who's a data scientist. <laughs> Let's go into a bit about the journey. So in terms of conception to production, you talked about the former and sort of doing the research and background, but I think doing an illustration in children's book takes a bit longer than that. So tell us about that journey from conception to production. Yeah, so the illustrations were were a funny one, really. The original plan was to do everything off of our own backs. If we needed to learn a new skill, learn a new piece of software, find something new, we would do it ourselves. Illustrations, when we first tackled illustrations, we were like, right, okay, let's, uh, let's have a go ourselves. So we did actually do some drawings ourselves and I think I bought like digital uh like art pads that you can get to plug into your computer for I bought two of them one for me and one for Nick and John to sort of share between them so we could have a go at digital artwork and we produced some pictures um but it takes so long it's such a like if you haven't been doing it and the hours that you have to put in to master it and to get great at it just weren't weren't good enough and it, it didn't really live up Nick did it to our expectations we had a picture in our head of what it should look like and then when we tried to draw it it was appalling it was abysmal <laughs> so um so we went through like looking at different illustrators so we sort of we wanted to choose a style so we had um a couple of friends who were into illustration and I, I a friend of a friend that I talked with and we we did a couple of sort of meet and greets and and uh, oh here's our idea draw what what do you think this would look like and it didn't quite work out uh, letting the artist 
sort of just finding an artist and letting them create it. So we decided to trawl the internet basically for styles that we liked. So we almost did a bit of a, a not a scoring matrix, but a, we, we assessed and evaluated what it was we liked about different types of illustration uh, and yeah. different color palettes and things like that. And we, we came together and we sort of chose, it was really difficult to find a common style that we all liked between the three of us, but we had some like ideas that we thought, yeah, it needs to be bright. It needs to be detailed. We like the detail. It needs to be digital art, not um, sort of natural art, uh, like drawn. Um, and then Nick, through hours of trawling the internet, um, found a lady in Georgia, um, in the country of Georgia. And we reached out to her. We, we had a look at her website and uh, it was fantastic. And then I don't know how many months you spent, Nick, trying to bend her arm into uh, taking on our project. Six um, months. I uh, got turned down four times. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, we, we, we were persistent. Um, and we finally got her on contract to do the first one um and yeah we couldn't have been happier in terms of how she visualized scalp lots of what you see in the illustrations is actually in the first book especially is coming from us so we have designed what it should look like in the perspective and then we saw we sort of do a really naff pencil sketch and then send it to the illustrator and then she does a better pencil sketch we sort of back and forth on that and then she does a color digital image that's sort of blocky. So we know what colors she's going to use. And then when we're happy with that, she'll then do the full detail drawing, like over 40,000 brushstrokes per picture, basically. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of brushstrokes, digital brushstrokes in, in the book. Um, the second book, we've let her have a bit more creative flair, let her do her own thing a bit more. We, we've got our working relationship going, but... The, the interesting thing is we've never physically spoken to her. <laughs> so uh, Nick does it all through Facebook Messenger. <laughs> so, yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of texts a day. <laughs> but we, we do also, to add to that, Matt, we have, we've got a really detailed um, kind of storyboard description. So down to almost exactly what the characters are kind of like doing, their kind of like expressions, Easter eggs, and, and because we designed and wrote all three books first, we were then able, when we came to the illustrations, to think we're way ahead and be able to basically make references to each book throughout each book. Yeah. So hopefully when we have our second book out, people will certainly see and start, start spotting those kind of uh, Easter eggs and kind of correlations between them. That is brilliant. So, and, and the illustrations are absolutely wicked. So for my listeners, if you really want to go check out these books, they are awesome. They're fantastic visual content as well as, uh, you know, reading content. So let's move to some of the critical reviews you've received so far. So I know that you're working with schools and you're having some, some different types of collaborations with, with education facilities and bodies. What have been sort of the feedback you're getting and what's garnered the most interest? We've had we've had a bit of a yeah getting feedback from like from our perspective who are not authors is quite tricky and it's kind of hard to take. I think we first sent our scripts out to some librarians who literally tore them apart and said they didn't rhyme and said why have you got a poison dart frog as a friend and kind of really hit us back and we were kind of like are we just kind of too close to this and maybe we can't see that it's it's any good. 
Um, but then we tested it a lot with schools and kids and fundamentally like the kids love it. They love finding Vinny. They love rhyming. And that's kind of why we chose rhyming because we, we, it's such a powerful tool um, when it's done right. And yeah, and obviously you've seen the illustrations. They're just, you know, so essential to have good illustrations. And I, I've just uh, actually applied for the Guinness World Records to see if they will actually take it as a, or consider it as a world record for the most digital brushstrokes in a book. Uh, wow. trying to credit Anne because <laughs> I couldn't see it on their website. So I thought we have to go for it because it's, you know, I think there's 483,000 brushstrokes in it and it took 11 months full time to illustrate. It's just a piece of, you know, absolutely stunning work. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> and what have been the, the reactions from kids? So let's, let's ask Matt this one. They've been really good in general. Uh, we've done quite a lot of virtual book readings to schools uh, and we started doing like physical book readings now. Like we've been to a number of schools physically and we were down in Plymouth a few months ago or a couple of months ago for Plymouth Children in Poverty where that charity donated our books to all the schools and we went round for World Book Day and read to various uh, schools and then did a little pick at the end of the day. And we read at different age ranges as well. So year one, two and three normally uh, are the classes that we read to in primary. But yeah, gen- generally the children have had positive feedback, especially if you engage them on the pictures. Like if they f- they've got Vinny to find on every page, like the poison dart frog. And also the message we've got uh, in the back of the book and each book will have like a glossary. It's like a a description of questions that you can ask about the topic of the book. So it allows after you've read the book to really explore the message and and the action that Scout's trying to get everyone to take. My own children personally uh, have been fantastic. Before we had the book, like physically, they, they liked it and they, they went along with it. And then as soon as you have a physical book, it's great to have them say, like it's on our bookshelf at home and it's great when they pick it. We also, well, to add further to that, we've we had a number of kids basically dress up as Scout for World Book Day, which was incredible. Um, and we get basically sent posters all the time and pictures of basically kids, you know, taking action and actually joining Scout's team and, and actually litter picking. And yeah, we've got from an educational perspective, we've got so much like material coming in from schools. It's just fabulous to see. That's incredible. So is Scout going to become a Disney character anytime soon? Nick? Yes. <laughs> I, I, basically, I think from our perspective, we wanted her to be as worldwidely recognised as Dora the Explorer. Right. Um, but also kind of had that Captain Planet feel, which was kind of a cartoon back in the day that really sort of was a positive role model. Uh, instead of all the stuff we see now, just which is kind of like always fighting and, and sort of we want we want to see some more positive action. And yeah, once the three books are out, we, we, we've got great ambitions and we'll certainly be pushing it under the noses of people to see if they would like to consider it as cartoons, hopefully, or, or other things like that. No, this is this is great. I, I do think you have that potential. So like really good going, guys. So how are you juggling all of this with your day jobs? Not going to lie. It's quite tough. We, we both work full time. So five days a week, we don't work like say four, four days a week and have the odd day to, to dedicate to it. Obviously, I have two small children. I've also moved into a house that was empty for 11 years before uh, we moved in. So it's uh, got a lot of work that needs doing to it. So Nick does a fantastic job at keeping the momentum on the project going. His energy is what, what keeps us going, really. it's I only step in when uh, Nick Nick's energy drops a little bit and he needs a little bit of help himself, I try and step in to help with that. 
but yeah it, it is tough it is tough we used to every we used to meet up every friday afternoon and then when the pandemic happened obviously we couldn't meet physically and then meeting virtually just isn't quite the same and then now i've moved out of bristol i i'm not as close to nick to, to just on an odd evening just meet up so yeah we're looking to meet up physically more but it's yeah dedicating that that time really so have you got anything to say on that nick <laughs> yeah it is extremely tough i'm sympathetic with matt and john's sort of situations with the young kids uh, we've all got really busy jobs with you know big teams some of us lead i even had to move home for two years back to the parents to fund the project which has been um extremely difficult but yeah ultimately and like like all things you for persistence you've got to just find energy you've got to like if things don't work like it's acceptable to sort of have those low moments i'll be sprinting and, and then need matt to sort of bolster me up when i'm on my lows but we're certainly looking to sort of get people more involved we're, we're sort of looking to get let's say a third engineer back involved uh, a new drummer let's say the ambition to sort of project managing give me that energy that i need yeah I suppose when you reach a goal and you've actually published something, it's fantastic. And it kind of the wheels come off then. And it's, it's just trying to make sure that you grind out. It's, it's, it's so tough with the day job. I know what you mean. Uh, you, you touched on this probably before we started recording, but I just want to, to you know, put that in front of my listeners as well. But you started as three and, and now you're sort of two and a half. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, like I said, we, when we started in 2018, there was a, the three of us, Nick, John and I, and we all had the same energy, the same input. We were still, we were keen to make this project a success and make it happen. And we were having a lot of fun. I can't remember what year it was, Nick, but we, it was getting to the crunch point of having to form a business rather than just do it as a, as a hobby. Uh, and that, that commitment and the, the, like Nick had a real drive and ambition to make this go, re- to make this go really far. I was sort of in between. John was just happy coming up with ideas and, and dreaming that it could be a big thing, but not actually necessarily doing something to make it happen. That, that sounds a bit harsh, but he, he'll own up. It's uh, like the commitment is high and it's it, it was we had a lot of discussions together when we were forming the business about how are we going to split it? Who's going to be responsible for what? What are we going to do? And John was just honest with us and said that he was happy to be involved in helping write books and be part of the story but in terms of the other stuff around it that we're doing he wanted to do other things with his time and he was he just had a newborn baby as well and similar sort of house renovation things uh he's now gone part-time as a stay-at-home dad so who knows he might uh find some time but i doubt it yeah i think we, we we actually had so there was multiple times where we sort of had to sort of reflect on how we were driving it forward um it's hard to sort of well with one person having a vision bringing everyone along equally and it caused not any not resentment but it kind of did cause some form of resistance because as we were trying to sort of take this forward we had to have a look kind of like my leadership style to see if where the if it was my leadership style which was causing let's say energy to sort of like lower and whether or not other guys could step up um and I've and I've really like take my hats off to the guys. We've 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 done really well to be able to manage those conflicts and and, and come out the other side. And and like Matt said, uh, John pretty much was just being fantastic and honest. You know that he understood what he wanted from the project, which made things super easy. And our first objective was always 
whatever we do, we must remain friends after the end of this. Um, and that, that sort of still is embedded in us, really. We need to make sure that that's kept the, that lasts forever. That's brilliant. And I thank you for sharing. And I know that, you know, it's probably tough to sort of experience this and go on the journey that you're going on with so many big dreams and goals and, you know, working with friends. It's there's always there's always tension. There's always creative abrasion, as, as they call it, when you're coming up with creative projects as well. And yeah, so kudos for learning how to manage that and, you know, bringing everyone along um, till the end. So. My, my next question is going to be, what does growth look like for you guys? So we've already touched on, on sort of the Disney books. Um, so what's, what's immediately next in line for Scout? So we've got three books. So that's where well, the second book is almost published. Um, and then we've got, we've managed to secure the illustrator for the third book, which is just amazing. Um, what we started, what we wanted to try and do is each book was designed such that we could have this ed- uh, educational resource, but also try and encourage taking action. And we then decided, well, we wanted to partner with people that were taking action um, to make sure that that message was coherent throughout. Um, and what we want to do is we want to set up a charity such that the books um, can partially fund and we can apply for different funding to the charity that, that we then can support those kind of causes that are in the books. There's some, so many amazing people out there dedicating their time and volunteering to litter picking. Um, they're inspirational for me. And same with, the, with, with bees, with partner with Polonize. Big picture dreams where well, we want to get the book into every school in the UK. So that's number one priority. And, and we're sort of talking to lots of big organisations to understand their, like whether they would like to participate in that for their social sort of responsibilities within the communities. I really like the idea of basically creating resource sheets that are free for schools to download because we're current encouraging STEM because Scout's a problem solver. What we really want to do is be able to use the imagery of Scout as a scientist, as an engineer, as a mathematician. So when the kids see that positive role model, they might then look at maths and go, oh, wait a second, I could do this too. So we're working with STEM quite closely uh, around the country, really, and basically trying to look at different opportunities where we can create different resource sheets. And then globally, uh, I'd love to be able to do that and tailor like curriculums in different countries uh, with, with those kind of resource sheets and, and really grow with partnerships really so there's so much to do (laughs) there's so much to do if for some reason i had a really important listener on this program in terms of a big company that you might want to collaborate with who would that be oh we've we've approached quite a few friends of the earth we wanted to sort of approach them to start with because they had a fantastic bee saver kit and it was a kind of everything that we wanted to create which they already had so we would love to partner with them, with, especially with the book that we've got, which is about the bees. It, that would just be the perfect partnership. Yeah, well, I suppose we're not really focused on any particular one. It's kind of like, you know, how can we work and, you know, create a good relationship that sort of promotes Scout, but also helps other people um, with their organisation. So, Matt, have you got any? I, I, well, I, I don't know if, uh, like, Chris Packham from Springwatch or uh, David Ambra. <laughs> from uh, <laughs> foundation would listen to your podcast but uh, our third book is about loss of habitat of uh, in like animals specifically uk uh, endangered animals and uh, how uh, we can help take action to improve the habitats of uh, uh, our local animals and recognize the problems that with like having astroturf grass and things what that brings to to our local uh, wildlife and uh, yeah, it would be it would be great to be able to have a, even a testimonial from uh, from any of those guys. Uh, I'd love to go on Springwatch. 
<laughs> That's brilliant. So I, I want to ask another question, and this is more to do with our education systems as a whole. And like, I know this is a really fun project and it's, it's a very engaging one. It's very problem solver oriented as well. Do you think that the way we educate kids today needs to radically change? And would you like to see more sort of problem solving and sort of situation creation um, in the classroom? Wow, this is a, that's a really tough question because we are not teachers and we have friends like my next door neighbours, both my next door neighbours are both teachers and they work incredibly hard at their jobs. And I know how tough it is to be a teacher and the, the schools that we've been in as well. In terms of what education are they getting? From what I've seen, there's quite a lot of red tape for teachers to be able to before they actually get round to teaching. <laughs> And the message, I think the messages are really good in most schools at the minute and they're tackling lots of different issues. And there's there's so many things that need to be looked at um, when you're educating young people, diversity and inclusion, religion, the environment as, as health and well-being. I don't think it needs to change the actual structure because I don't know as much about it, but I think more funding needs to go into it to help it be as good as it can be. Yeah, and I think... From what I've seen in schools is there's certainly a really large commitment by schools to sort of have eco committees and, and get kids engaged early with the environment, which is fantastic. And, and I think most schools then try and aspire to join like eco schools and the green flag sort of award system. And I, I think I might have to just basically err on what Matt said. And I think it just comes down to funding. You know, when we have more funding and more publicity and marketing and focus around those subjects, I think that's when you'll start seeing a bigger commitment level and change, hopefully, in, in schools. If the scenario was that we could not do schools the way we do them and we had no more funding, you guys are problem solvers, remember that. What would you do? Matt, what would you, you change? <laughs> <laughs> what would you change? How, how, would you, how would you reshape it? What would you do? A radical question. How would we change the educational system? Right, okay. Not wow. a biggie. <laughs> I think... The, the first thing we'd have to do is figure out what's important. We'd have to identify what's what's really important. Is it that children need to be able to spout off facts in a about a specific subject in a exam? Or is it that we need to teach our children how to live their lives as best they can whilst exposing them to focus areas and, and like like maths or, or science to allow them to go into those subjects if they choose. I, that's what I would do. There's so many uh, graduates and things that we see at work as well that come out and, and some of them, they can do so many sums uh, and integrate these crazy uh, formulae, but can they boil an egg? I don't know. But life skills, I think, are so important. And uh, teaching those in schools needs needs to be something that changes, I think. That was a great answer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's leading towards or to problem solving. I think problem solvers um, and being able to physically basically recreate and, and learn through activity. I think that's such a big thing. And I think we are actually seeing that in schools. A lot of the, instead of us just creating sort of standard resource sheets like colouring in, but they're not, their teachers are, are far more open to activities where the kids are getting involved, like building sort of uh, spaghetti bridges and trying to work out whether they can hold them or marshmallow spaghetti towers. And it's that creative hands-on approach, which I think is definitely 
more beneficial for children rather than like Matt said, you know, having to sort of study for exams. I'm trying to think that's where I would naturally sort of lean towards. But it comes down to, again, what Matt said is what is important. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. I I had to squeeze that out of you. Sorry. So how can people engage with Scout and your work? We've got a number of uh, social media platforms. We've got our Instagram account, which is called stop underscore dropping underscore litter. And that really showcases how incredible our talented illustrator is. You can see almost her pen work and how she does it on an iPad, which is just crazy. Like I saw pictures of her doing some work and she's just sat there uh, at a football pitch with her son doing work, which is just crazy. Um, So definitely worth a look there. Our website um, is where you can basically get the book. Um, and that kind of gives a good overview of who we are, the project and, and things to come, let's say. Um, and I think we might have some long term kind of ambitions to get the book on other platforms as well to make it more accessible to people globally, because we've had a huge amount of uh, interest globally um, through Facebook groups. Uh, but we, did, we, don't, we don't currently send the books uh, abroad. So, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly look to do that. Matt, any closing words from you? Well, I'd just like to say uh, thank you very much, Catherine, for having us on. It's uh, it's always great to talk about our project and, and reflect on it. I think we've achieved so much in the time that we've had been able to de- dedicate to it. We really believe in the, the message in our books and we we get so much fulfilment out of like visiting schools and like teaching kids and things like that. It's, it's, it's great. So anything like this, I absolutely love doing. So thank you very much. Okay, so I'm going to do something that I that I didn't tell you about before. So it's rapid fire questions. So I'm going to ask you a question and you just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind as quickly as you can. Favourite animated movie? The Little Mermaid. Would you choose a car or a bike? Bike. Wind or solar? Uh, wind. Book or audio? Audio. <laughs> Why do you choose audio? You, you have a great illustrated book. <laughs> tell me about this one. I just, yeah, I don't... Matt's like Matt loves reading books and I've, I've never been someone to read books I've always like had a different way of learning through audio and visual so that it was more alien for me to write some books <laughs> it really was compared to other people uh, I just generally read textbooks and and that's about as far as my literature sort of aims and amb- ambitions go which really explains why this is going to be a Disney movie at some point <laughs> great thank you so Sorry. much guys <laughs> We get asked that question a lot in schools. What book are you reading at the minute? And Nick says, I don't read. (laughs) (laughs) Systems functional engineering. (laughs) No, that makes sense. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me today. Thank you very much, Catherine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you today by the brand new Women in Sustainable Business Awards that kicks off in 2023. If you're a business owner who's starting a business with principles of sustainability in mind and you want to preserve some lost skills, some handcrafting, artisanal work, or you're a social media manager supporting purpose-driven brands, or you're creating fashion or something that is relevant to the sustainability and green transformation, you are more than welcome to join us and to get involved in these awards. Check out our group on Facebook, Women in Sustainable Business, or follow the podcast Where Ideas Launch on Instagram to find out more.